ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد ان سوره الاحقاف الله ساز ان الذين قالوا ربنا الله ثم استقاموا فلا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون اولئك اصحاب الجنه خالدين فيها جزاء بما كانوا يعملون these two ayat, these two verses combined are rather succinct, they're rather short. In the first of these two, Allah says, there is no doubt whatsoever for those who say Allah is their Lord and they remain steadfast. We ask Allah to make us from among them. Allah says there will be no fear upon them and they're not going to worry about anything. فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ in the second of these two ayat, Allah says, these are the people of Jannah. And in Jannah, in paradise, they're going to be in there forever. A, rewar- a reward for what they used to do. Jaza'an bima kanu ya'malun. This last word here is what I want to emphasize, is what I want to focus on today. Allah didn't say this is a reward for what they used to know, although there's no question knowledge is of the utmost importance in our lives, in our deen, in our tradition. There's no question about that. But what is the purpose of learning? What do we do with the knowledge that we gain, especially in connection with deen? When it comes to Yawm Al-Qiyamah, a person is going to be asked about what they did with the knowledge they had. If a person says, I accumulated this entire library in my mind and I memorized all this information, if it stops there, it's an incomplete picture. But if the knowledge gets turned into practice as best we can, then hopefully we end up on the right side of things. The emphasis that Allah places here and in many other places in the Qur'an, people of Jannah are people of action. It's automatically inferred and understood the prerequisite to action is knowledge. It has to be knowledge. Because if we take action with no knowledge, that's an issue. And the opposite is true. If you have one without the other, it's an incomplete picture. Knowledge without action is incomplete. Action without knowledge is incomplete. And both concepts are criticized in Surah Al-Fatiha. Al-Maghdubi alayhim, there's knowledge, there's no action. Al-Dalin, there's action, there's no knowledge to back it up. So time and time and time again, on a daily basis, many times a day, we're asking Allah for both. Because when you look at what the straight path is, we're constantly, Allah has prescripted for us to ask Him to guide us down the straight path. 
And Allah describes what it means to be on that path. What does it mean, Surat al-Ladheen an'amta alayhim? What does it mean, guide us down the straight path, the path of those who you have bestowed your favor upon? The path of those who you have favored when there's both knowledge and action. And if we try our best to do so, then we hope to end up in, in what Allah describes in Surah An-Nisa, if we try our best to do so, ain't nobody here perfect, we understand that. But can we make the intention that I want to learn something and I want to do something? I want to benefit in terms of knowledge and I want to turn that knowledge into practice, into action. When it comes to trying our best to do what we can, to serve our Creator, to serve Allah Azza wa Jal, at the core of the actions we take, coupled with knowledge, there has to be rahmah. There has to be mercy. There has to be grace. There has to be kindness at the core of that path. Which quality, which attribute of Allah Azza wa Jal does He emphasize the most about Himself in the Qur'an? Time and time and time again. He's the most merciful, the most merciful, the most merciful. Other than the name Allah, the other name that you commonly find in isolation, meaning it's not tethered with another name of His, is Ar-Rahman. The one name in the Qur'an that is a standalone ayah entirely on its own is Ar-Rahman. In Surah Al-Fatiha, what are we reminded of at the beginning? Rahmah, Rahmah, Rahmah. If you include the Basmala as the first ayah, Mercy is mentioned four times in the first three ayat. If a person still decides, I don't really care about that. I'm not going to change and become a more compassionate person. I'm not going to let that concept penetrate my heart and permeate my soul. Okay, then for you, Maliki Yawmiddin, there are going to be consequences. There's this balance of both. There's mercy and there's justice. If things are unbalanced, it's not going to work. There has to be a balance between both. Mercy is always options one, two, and three. But in case you have someone, and extreme cases like Fir'aun, in case you have someone who repeatedly abandons mercy, time and time and time again, repeatedly, over and over and over, and they stubbornly and arrogantly refuse to change their ways, even in the slightest, there have to be consequences for that. There have to be boundaries. There have to be parameters. We're reminded of this constantly, especially in connection with parenting. There's so much love and kindness and compassion and grace and teaching from the parents to the children. At least there should be. This is regarding a healthy dynamic. That should have an effect because there's so much being poured into wanting to cultivate this human being, this child. Is there a time and a place for boundaries? Absolutely. But the core of that relationship is supposed to be rahmah. Ya Allah, be good to them as they were good with me, especially when I was little. Why especially when I was little? Because when, when someone is a baby, they don't remember the sleepless nights that they put their parents through, most likely. They're not going to remember. 
The parents will though. When we look at these ayat in Surah Al-Ahqaf, Allah mentions people of Jannah as being people of action. And at the core of those actions that we take, the decisions that we make, there has to be a presence of grace, a presence of mercy. How do we deal with each other? How do we deal with each other just within the Muslim community? Just within the masjid, for example. Sometimes we take the formula and we flip it. Allah says, أَذِلَّةٍ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَعِزَّةٍ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ Sometimes the harshest character that a, that a Muslim has and shows is towards other Muslims. That's not what it's supposed to be. How does Allah describe the companions of our beloved Prophet wasallam? At the end of Surah Al-Fatih, Muhammadur Rasulullah, وَالَّذِينَ مَعَهُ أَشِدَّاءُ عَلَى الْكُفَارِ رُحَمَاءُ بَيْنَهُمْ Do we have that presence of rahmah between us? Whatever knowledge we gain, especially in connection with Qur'an and Sunnah, especially, especially in connection with deen, what is the fruit that's coming from that? Is there a presence of grace when dealing with each other? Let's start there. Before looking outside, let's look inside. Step one, to look within ourselves, within the individual. And then to look within our families and to look within our community. How many times do people, first of all, not do their homework as it relates to different opinions from a fiqh standpoint within our deen, which is the norm. The norm is for there to be a variety of different opinions. How do we treat other people? How do we treat our brothers and sisters in faith? Allah describes believers, Allah describes the companions of the Prophet as being very merciful with one another. Even they themselves differed on different things. But they didn't compromise the rahmah they had internally towards each other. Even if they had valid differences of opinion regarding the same statement from the Prophet Classic example, Banu Quraida. The Prophet tells the Sahaba, this is after a month-long siege. So think of how stressed out they must have already been. Being stressed out is not an excuse to go and take it out on someone else. As a community, they were just dealing with this massive siege for an entire month. And part of that, internally within Medina, there was this issue of treason. Think of how stressful that must have been for an entire month. Those outside the city, they end up they end up leaving. Long story short. The Prophet says, don't pray Asr except at Banu Quraida. Now along the way, one group of Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they understood what the Prophet said literally. The other group understood what he said figuratively. The same exact statement resulted in two different opinions. The same message, the same statement from the same person One group understood it literally meaning even if we miss Asr, we're not praying it until we get there because that is literally what the Prophet said. It's coming from somewhere, it's valid. The other group, they said, well, we're understanding it figuratively. He was telling us to hurry up and go quickly, but we don't think he actually intended 
if it comes down to missing it, for us to do that. So we're going to pray. One group decided to pray sooner than later. The other group prayed later than sooner. The Prophet ends up catching up with them, والسلام, and he validated both understandings. Within our community, it should be seen as a beautiful tapestry, a beautiful canvas, the fact that there are so many different opinions on so many different issues. That should be seen as a beautiful thing. That should be seen as, a, as this incredible, rich history of scholarship. So even if you prefer one valid opinion, where is the main issue? First of all, a lot of people, they don't do their homework. They're not even aware that there's another valid opinion. But there's no hesitation to go and abandon the mercy they're supposed to have towards their Muslim brother or sister, and they tear them to pieces. Step one, do your homework first. Step two, if you are aware of a different valid opinion, even if you prefer one and you understand they're coming from somewhere, respect the other. You know what's so beautiful about that story of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum? They had different understandings. One did A, one did B. It didn't go past that. It didn't go further than that. It didn't turn into butting heads. It didn't turn into a massive issue. It didn't grow out of control. They maintained that harmony of community. They maintained the harmony of that brotherhood. The Prophet validated both, How do we treat each other? How can you mistreat your Muslim brother or sister in your mind for the sake of Allah? Again, I want to re-emphasize this. The norm is for there to be different opinions. When does Asr come in? Classic difference in opinion. Do you raise your hands before and after Ruku'ah? Classic difference of opinion. And when you look at where each of them are coming from, each one is very convincing in its own way. Live and let live. They had these... The Sahaba, what's beautiful is they had these, the, these big hearts. They had the space within them to hold on to what they preferred, but to still respect the other. The norm is for there to be different opinions. Imam Malik, when you look in Surah Al-Ma'idah, when Allah mentions different steps of wudu, بِرُؤُسِكُمْ Imam Malik, he said this bat, it meant that you have to wipe the whole head. The ayah says, and, and wipe the head. So his opinion was, and who is Imam Malik? This bat, it means to wipe the entire head. Imam al-Shafi'i, he said this bat, it means to wipe part of the head. It's the same ayah, it's the same phrase, it's the same verse, the same words, the same letters, the same tashkil. But this is the richness of our tradition. We need to deepen our connection with rahmah. Ruhama'u baynahum. Our actions are supposed to be filled with the fragrance of mercy, especially when dealing with each other. There should be goodness when dealing with people in general. That's the default, that's the norm. But there should be an extra cherry on top when dealing with each other. Oftentimes, we end up treating each other the worst when we're supposed to treat each other the best. When Allah describes the people of Jannah, He describes them as people of action. We hope and we pray that whatever knowledge we gain, we can turn it into action, into meaningful action, into responsible, into responsible action, filled with kindness, compassion, grace, and mercy. We ask Allah to make us from among the merciful, who the most merciful will show mercy to. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhir alhamdulillahi Rabbil
الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم When it comes to this concept of rahma, it's it's a pretty simple concept to understand. So we have to ask ourselves if it's very easy to understand where are we missing the mark? Sometimes we have to take it back to the basics, take it all the way back to square one, which is supposed to be rahma. Before moving on to anything else, before evolving and growing in all these different positive ways, which is a beautiful thing, there has to be a presence of rahmah. Some companions, they told the Prophet ﷺ about a woman who prayed extra, fasted extra. She did all these extra acts of worship, but she had a harsh tongue with her neighbor. What did the Prophet say? The Prophet said, she's from the fire. She'll be in the fire. Meaning, if she doesn't change, that's where she's going to end up. A person may think, but there are these external things going on. Yeah, but what about the words? Where's the, what's the fruit? The point of our ibadah is supposed to be, it's supposed to be a fusion between the body and the soul. It's not supposed to be all body with no soul. It's not supposed to be all body with no heart. How is it affecting that person? She's not changing at all. Rahmatan lil'alameen. The mercy to mankind, mercy to creation said, she'll be in the fire. Immediately following that, Sahaba mentioned to the Prophet ﷺ, there's another woman. She does basically the bare minimum. She prays five times a day and she fasts Ramadan and she gives a little bit of very simple sadaqah. But she speaks kindly to her neighbor. The Prophet said she'll be in Jannah. What is the fruit that comes from the knowledge that we have, that comes from the actions that we take. There has to be knowledge coupled with action, and that whole process has to be significantly and deeply infused with mercy. The Prophet's putting the onus on us. You do your part in showing mercy, that's what you'll receive from Allah. And if you don't show mercy, how can you expect to receive it? Step one is to look internally and then to go from there. We ask Allah to make us from among the merciful. We ask Allah to help us to embody this concept of mercy as best we can. We ask Allah to give us a depth of understanding in connection with both mercy and justice. We ask Allah for that balance, Amir Rabbil Alameen. We ask Allah for guidance. We ask Allah for protection. We ask Allah for forgiveness. We ask Allah to shower His mercy upon us in this life and the next. We ask Allah to forgive all of our mistakes. We ask Allah to turn all of our hardships into ease, Amir Rabbil Alameen. Rabbi Ghfir Warham wa Anta Khayrul Rahimin. آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين وأقم الصلاة